Hey everyone, welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. This is episode 18. That's right, episode 18. And this week, I am going to be talking about Shield of Winter by Nalini Singh. That's right. Last week, I had not finished the book, which is why I gave you guys an episode talking about the wonderful, the amazing um, Talia Hibbert. And this week, um, I did finish Shield of Winter, and so that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, I'm going to share something with you guys. So, a wonderful and amazing um, human being who I met at a romance event during RWA Nationals um, last year here in New York. Um, She goes by um Daga, sorry brain fart danny's bookshelf on twitter so she let me know that on idolwise uh nalini sings alpha night uh the advanced reader copy was available and i don't know if it's a glitch that sometimes it's available and you can just download you don't have to request it so we downloaded it both of us and uh all i can say is that you have to get this book when it comes out June 9th. Like, I'm not even like, oh, mm. no, you, like, my friends, my, my listeners, my peeps, my peoples, this book, this book is good. Oof. Ah. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. You need it. You need it. Not even like, you should read it. You need it. With a capital N, a capital E, another capital E, and a capital D, right? Need this book. Um, okay, and that's all I'm going to say about that book today because that's all I can say, right? It's not June 9th yet. Um, it's April still. April has gone a little bit faster than March, but not by a whole lot. Like, it's not the 30,000 years that January was. And it didn't sort of speed through the way February did. And March definitely felt like never ending. And we are at the end of April. So it's gone quickly, but it's it's weird. It's weird. I mean, life is weird, right? We're all dealing with a complete sort of change in um, everything we thought we knew. Hmm. So anyway, this week I'm talking to you guys about Shield of winter which is a book that i think really gives us a deeper insight into the arrows right we'd met a former arrow already and we got his book that would be judd lauren um and his was book three crossed by eyes and his mate is brenna kincaid um from snow dancer but clearly Judd is was a different arrow from some of his other arrow brethren in that he had ties to his family. He had ties to his brother Walker, he had ties to his sister Christine, and then he had ties to the children of his siblings. The other arrows don't seem to have those bonds um as strange as they might have been it you know, in silence. And so this book really sort of gives you um a, I feel like it really 
shows us what the arrow world currently looks like and what are the some of the things that have happened for the arrows to be in the place that they are right in a way that judd's book couldn't because judd had defected and had left and so judd can only speak of what he knew up until he left but obviously things obviously keep going um so we meet him and then um we we met one empath right in the very first book sasha duncan but sasha isn't alone um and as we've been reading we've been learning so much about we've been learning i i think what's really interesting is we've been learning about her designation at the same time that she's learning about it right because there is such a dearth of information um and so in this book right is when we are fully introduced to another character in that same designation um so this is this is a very interesting book because a lot there's a lot of action in it you know there are many many things that happen and we are no longer short of just seeing the world through the eyes of the two changeling packs that we originally met when the series began which was you know snow dancer wolves and the dark river leopards we're now also seeing the world from the eyes of people who have connections to those two changeling packs but aren't changeling and are, are not in those packs and the way they see the world is obviously going to be different because they are different people etc 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 um so this book this book also is i think our second book with a main couple that they are both characters are psi right the previous the, the book previous to this that dealt with that is literally the book right before this one heart of obsidian caleb and sahara and so caleb and sahara are one example but like caleb is also you know not a regular psi uh caleb is on the extreme end of power in a way that very few other characters on the page are going to be not to say that like vasic as an arrow or is it vasic or is it vasic Ooh, i i just thought of that vasic like basic but with the, the you know the v or is it a vasic i've always called him vasic in my head so I'm going to stick to Vasic because that's what I've called him. And if it's basic, like basic, I'm just not going to be able to do it. Or it might randomly happen because you guys know. Um, I have strange voices that just arise with, at, with very, very little conscious thought. So mm. anyway, Vasic is not like, you know, some like weak, whatever, random ass aside. Because again, he's still an arrow. And to be an arrow is to be a level of elite that the regular side population doesn't have but he's still not you know caleb krychek who is just like even crazy wildly more powerful than the arrows anyway so this book we've got these two people these two characters we get to meet the people in their lives um and what i think this book shows us is that even if we'd this entire time assumed that silence had stamped out all sort of bonds 
aside from, you know, that sort of genetic loyalty. Um, we saw an ex- examples of that in um, Heart of Obsidian. Um, there being something more to that bond than just like, oh, I need to maintain my genetic legacy because it's the only thing that will exist after I'm gone kind of thing. Um, we see that again in this book. Um, and we get a glimpse, or not a glimpse, we get to see a side co-parenting agreement that has lasted well beyond the child, you know, coming into adulthood, which from a lot of the side characters we've previously met, the assumption would be that, you know, one or one of the parents is like, okay, well, uh, you are going to be, uh, going to be tied to my family so i still have a relationship with you but your other parent just is like okay cool i just got bought out of my contract kind of thing because like what they're going to be doing has nothing to you know so it it's we get to see that what we thought was very general we get to uh, we get to understand in this book that a lot of the generalizations we have been seeing and have been informed of in regards to the psi race obviously are generalizations meaning that there are many people who are an exception to that and what that will look like and just the the what having parents who do care and then having parents who don't care what that can then mean for that character and their development and their sense of self and all of that so this book is I think it's really I think it's a really good balance between the couple and what's happening in the world and a lot of what is happening in the world the couple has to try to navigate in a way that I think is you know because both Vastic and Ivy have very sort of set ideas of who they are and what their role is in the world and in this book they start to realize wait a minute I am not what I thought I was I am capable of x y and z I am able to do and be more than anyone ever dreamed possible because again with silence and what that did it just sort of destroyed and dismantled any other sort of thought process like you 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 have one track and it's to be silent and this is how you achieve that and this is what you need to do and so in this book both Vasek and Ivy start the book with very sort of set ideas of who they are as individuals and then as the book progresses not only does their relationship change but the who they are and what they can accomplish and what they can do changes because they realize that what they had always believed to be true isn't and it isn't just because like in the case of Ivy like her actual designation was hidden but it's just the ideas of what they both each thought that they were capable of changes and I think to bring it sort of to like our lives I think it's really easy for us to fall into the trap of believing that we can only do certain things right that you can only do this because you've only gone to school for that or you aren't capable because you just have never had necessarily been pushed to see how capable you 
are as an individual. Um, and what this book, I think, hopefully underscores for some people is that you, we are all always sort of growing and changing and we may think that we can only go so far, but when you are put in difficult positions, um, you often find sort of a well of strength that you didn't know existed. Now, some of you might say, actually, no, I was put in a really difficult position. I was the opposite. I didn't find a well of strength. I floundered. I, you know, couldn't rise above it. Um, and I want to then say like, okay, but when you say you floundered, like floundered based on what? On the perception of how, you know, we sort of categorize succeeding um, in our current structure, which is a hot mess. Um, and just think of like, all I guess think of all the times that you thought you couldn't do something or that it would be too hard or that you didn't know what you were doing and you were able to sort of do it and come out and be like, and look back and be like, wait, I did that. And I, I was able to do that. And it doesn't mean that you weren't scared while doing it, that you didn't feel lost, that you didn't feel, you know, cowardly and not brave and like a fool and just lost. But when you're able to sort of go through that and then come out on the other side, when you do look back, if you allow yourself to look back, you realize, okay, there were obviously moments where I thought I was lost, but look at where I was and where I am now and the the things that I did to get here. And I think that that in this book, both of the, these two main characters, that like they both are kind of like, well, we don't know what we're doing. This is like, we can't be more than what we are right now. What we are right now, that is who we are. And yet as things progress through the book, as they bond, as they realize that some of the things that they thought that they couldn't do, they can do. You can see that perception of themselves and what they're worth and what they're capable of doing changing. Um, and so if you haven't read the book, I really, really think you should. I mean, I feel like it. I'm like, I feel like I say this every episode. No, I do say this every episode. Um, Nalini Singh books, I think, really do a really great job of showcasing characters where you can read and be like, and see a part of yourself in them. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to read it and find that and, and then find, you know, this moment of nirvana and ooh, that you can just read it to read it because you want to read and you want to go read. And these books are good reads. They sort of really bring you in, suck you in, and she brings you into this world. And you are curious to know what happens next. And this is she's definitely one of those authors that I'm like, ooh, if you start reading at 11 o'clock at night, you may like turn around and look at the clock again and it's 1.30 and now you're mad because you were supposed to be asleep. So I have to sometimes be like, no, be an adult and dude, pick up the book. Um, other times I fail. I'm just like, fuck it, it's fine. Who needs sleep? Who needs sleep? 
we all need sleep okay don't 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 take that as a like oh esther said who needs sleep <laughs> meaning we can sleep when we're dead no 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 you need sleep right but sometimes sometimes you know shit happens shit happens you read a book yet so enveloped in it that you're like oh no it's the birds they are chirping the light of the sun is starting to creep over the horizon oh it's a new day shit oops my bad but yeah i really it was nice to go back to this book i think also what i really enjoyed about this book especially right now is that there's this huge massive worldwide problem and then a solution is found and as we are currently living through a time where we're facing a huge massive worldwide problem i want to hope and pray that there is going to be a solution that's going to be found so that life can continue with less abject fear uh and so that what that was nice that was comforting it felt good to be like people worked together and found a solution because then it makes me think people must be working together to find a solution if you're like listening you're like actually that's that's not what happened don't tell me that okay just let me have my you know potentially not true thoughts because listen that's sometimes that's all we that's all we that's all we got our 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 fictionalized (laughs) views of the world um so yeah i think um i also this book i think when you are reading books about characters who think that there is a literally no hope for them right they're just like i'm just going to do my job and when this is all over you know more or less lay down and die because i am too damaged i am not worthy i am not ever going to be good enough for the good things in life kind of thing um those books can be either really great to read or really hard to read right because sometimes you really really connect with that feeling of unworthiness of like just like i don't deserve any good shit and so you know sometimes the book can kind of bring you down because you're just like oh my god me too i'm useless i'm worthless what is the point but i think when you read those if you are feeling that way i hope that you as you read on the page as this character starts to realize wait i am worthy of love and affection and i do deserve peace and joy and a future that you on some level even if it's not necessarily conscious understand that that also applies to you as a person who's reading um because it is you know really easy to get into that headspace of like well (laughs) like i'm not worth it so you know what's the point and I'm hoping that when you read this book and you read a character that is at that point and in some ways reflects maybe your inner thoughts, that like that character, you can sort of start to be like, well, maybe, maybe I am worthy. And no, you're right. We can't change our past. And if we've done shitty things, if we've been cruel, if we've been mean, if we've hurt those we care about, we can't go back in time and make things better but we can make the conscious decision 
to, from that day forward, do our best to not hurt people. Do our best to treat those around us with love and compassion and empathy. And it doesn't mean that we're forgetting that we made mistakes, but because we're human and we have flaws, we can't, we are allowed to forgive ourselves and move forward knowing that we've made those mistakes and doing our best not to repeat them. Um, And that to me is sort of really, I feel like that point is really driven home in this book in a way that in some of the others, I'm like, well, I don't know, you know, um, and so you might be like, no, I said I read it and I didn't get any of that at all. And that's fine, okay? Don't don't be all like, oh my god, I read the book and I didn't get any of the insights that Esther did. And that must mean that I'm like, full of- no, it di- no. I've also been reading the- these books more than once. Like, this is, you know, I also think um, looking at these books from the view because I'm no longer reading them just for the fun of reading a good story I mean I love that part but I'm also reading them and thinking okay what are the things that I'm seeing how do they relate to my everyday life how does this maybe relate to society at large um and it's not that I'm saying Nalini Singh wrote this book with these thoughts in mind but these are some of the themes ideas that I'm getting from it when I read and if you don't get the same don't don't be like I'm so foolish no it just means that you're seeing something different and that that is so cool about reading right that we can all read the same books and pick up different details different moments different scenes different sentences words that mean something to us that touch us that have us thinking different ideas i think that that more than anything is what is so beautiful about being able to read so many different books stories but you know um and so because all of us are coming to these books with our own unique life experiences right and since none of our experiences are the same because like you know just like all fingerprints are different and snowflakes aren't the same and blah 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 but you know all those all that talk about how fucking unique we are well we are yet at the same time that we are so unique there are certain things that we can all experience and understand etc 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 so anyway this was like my long-winded like non-spoilery section i guess kind of because i didn't i i think i didn't no i didn't spoil it for y'all i could have gone into real real detail um which i will do after you know probably the sponsor post unless i do that at the beginning don't say actually i'm probably just gonna do like the goat sound a few times because it's funny i like it <laughs> and goats like they're cute i mean i don't think i've ever seen one in real real life just on video but you know fun so yes I'm now going to a pause. You're going to hear some goats. And by some goats, it's literally going to be the, the goat sound. I don't know how many it is. I'm pretty sure it's just one. And then I'm going to come back. And then I'm going to talk about Shield of Winter with spoilers, bitch. Like, spoilers. So if you're like, oh, I really, really, really want to read this book. And I do not want to be spoiled. Then, I mean, yeah, I could, yeah, I could probably pause here and, uh, you know maybe tune into the very last section where i'm probably just going to talk about you know other books uh but if you oh people are being loud outside 
fun. And I don't know why. Interesting. Anyway, got distracted. I was like, what is happening? Um, so yes, I'm going to pause here and then I'll be back. And I'll continue to talk of the shield of the winter. Jeez. All right, I'm back. So, shield of winter, but with spoilers. With spoilers, guys, not spoilers, but spoilers. Because I don't know how to speak the English no more. No, I'm kidding. Um, I was like, what is all the noise? And I realized people are like cheering for healthcare workers. Um, because it's 7 11 p.m. on a Sunday. In case you're wondering when I'm recording this, it's 7 11 p.m. on a Sunday. Anyway. So, this book, we've got two, two, Psy main characters, right? We've got Ivy Jane. I thought it was really interesting that uh, her whole name is um, two first names. I was like, hmm, interesting, Ivy and Jane. Okay. And then we've got Vasic. Oh, and Vasic technically takes on a last name at the end of the book, almost. And he takes on his uh, grandfather's name. Um... So he becomes Vasic Zen and Ivy becomes Ivy Jane Zen, um, which, ooh, oh, I like that for, especially for an empath, Ivy Jane Zen. Yeah, that has a nice ring to it. Mm, I enjoy it. So up until, not up until, previous book, Heart of Obsidian, we got two side characters, right? So next book, we get two more side characters as our main couple falling in love and Vasic, like Caleb Krychek is an individual who has immense power he is he's not cardinal status so that's different from what's homeboy's name caleb um but he is a tkv which is a teleport what is it teleport capable homeboy or whatever but he's also he's a true he's considered a true teleport meaning that other people have the ability to teleport but like it's a skill he's just uh can teleport and um the reason they know is because he teleported out of his mother's womb um which must be fascinating like that that one little tidbit i was like wait what like imagine if you're like in labor and your kid just like teleports itself out um it's like so does that mean like i don't have to go through all this pain and surgery and whatnot like he just like boop it's like i'm here I'm out. Okay, now what? Um, so Vasic can teleport anywhere within seconds. It is not something that takes him time. He is able to teleport both to locations and to people, right? He can lock onto both physical pictures of physical locations as well as pictures of people's faces, as long as those faces have not obviously been changed either through surgery and or disfiguration. Uh, and so he being an arrow um the way arrows are trained and conditioned is absolutely horrific very similar to what caleb went through it's a lot of torture it's really it's it's terrible it's 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 really fucking awful and so we've got this character who had a horrific upbringing right he was given to the squad i think when he was four you know, because he was teleport capable, meaning he could obviously escape, 
all of these things were done. And one of the things that is made clear is that Vasek was always an individual with a massive, like a massive heart and a capacity for protecting those weaker than him. In many ways, similar to how dominant, dominant changelings have such a huge drive to protect those that are younger and weaker than them. I feel like Vasek was a psi equivalent of that. And then he's drafted into the Arrow Squad and asked to, you know, kill and clean up after um, the council. And one of the things that this book does make clear is that arrows were created because when silence is implemented, one of the um, the family that really brought silence to the forefront and, you know, made everyone understand that this is what was so important um, and that, that this was the only way for the entire race to go forward were the Adelajas. And they had a son. They had their twin boys that they, you know, had go through the protocol and, you know, conditions emotion or I believe negative emotions out of them. But they had an older son, Zaid. And Zaid created the arrows as and their job was to always uphold silence and essentially because silence was supposed to be what was best for the Psy race. So the arrows have always believed that they are working to maintain silence because that protocol is what keeps the Psy alive, you know, free of complete madness and, you know, viable. When Ming, Ming Laban ends up becoming in charge of the squad, he uses them as, you know, his pet assassins. He isn't interested in maintaining... It's not that he isn't interested in maintaining silence, because obviously silence is where he... But he's in, interested in amassing pow- personal power, personal influence, and uses the arrows to do that. And he doesn't care about the arrows. And whereas the arrows have always sort of had this, like, their ultimate loyalty is to each other, Ming ha- always uses that to try and just get them to do what he wants. And when they're broken he wants them murdered or sorry sorry you know discarded and so when they start to realize and the realization i think starts to happen probably while vasic and aiden who is the other arrow who is the leader of the arrows are probably teenagers is when they start to really understand that the work that they're doing isn't necessarily for the betterment of the race but for certain people to achieve power and as they learn more and more they are you know, they eventually start to sort of see, sow the seeds of, you know, a quote-unquote rebellion. So we get to this book, and Vasek just sees himself as a murderer. Um, he just wants to um, figure out a way to honor all the people that he had to discard in a race because, you know, the council told him to, and he realized after that, you know, it wasn't about doing what was best for the society at whole but so that someone in power could stay in power and in dorian and ashaya's book um dorian and ashaya i think are headed is it their book or is it another no i'm pretty sure it's their book they're headed home and they go past a house that there's been a lot you know an incident of violence and it's a bunch of it's side people who've it's a family 
and Vasek is there to clean up, right? Because at that point, I think their book is book five, silence and still obviously how things are and you know they don't have violence that's what the emotional races have and dorian says to vasek like you don't get to rest until you can you know honor all of these people that you've had to essentially erase and so when we get to vasek's book he's kind of like i'm you know here to do what i can until I'm allowed to sort of lay down and find some sort of peace. And that they, he definitely means like, you know, peace while dead. Like, not like, and I'm just like going to go to a beach and like watch the sunset and the sunrise and just like not do anything. No, he literally means like, and I lay down and I die because I'm done. Right. So with everything that's going on in the Sinet, the realization comes that maybe the reason why the net mind has hidden all of the empaths is because the net mind needs the empaths. So then it's like we need to start waking them up to see if there's something that they can do to fix the problem in the signet, to sort of slow down or erase this, you know, malignant sort of disease that's crawling both through the net and into obviously everyone who's dragged into the net. That's where we get Ivy Jane. Ivy Jane is an empath. Um, and she went in for reconditioning when she was a teenager and it was like absolutely horrific and it was so bad that afterwards her parents so one thing that I thought in a most of this series a lot of the characters that we have been introduced to have parents that are hot garbage right parents that abandoned them parents that threw them away parents that you know treated them as disposable and this is I'm not just speaking about side characters. We've seen this with changelings, we've seen this with humans, we've seen this with Psy throughout this series, right? Clay's mother, you know, not being able to stick around for her kid and, you know, not wanting him to ever be, you know, his changeling self. Talon, you know, being left in the system. Um uh, Vaughn's parents leaving him and his little sister to die in the woods and they're changeling um fucking Devraj's father killing his mother so like a lot of characters do not have parents that are you know full of love and cheer and whatever and we have had characters that do have a loving family unit Mercy does have both her parents right and she's a, a changeling um Riaz and Audria both have both sets of parents um which honestly i think they are the only couple in the series who have both parents sets of parents alive and well and in their lives kind of thing i don't think any other characters we come across have that you know we do have we do come across characters where at least one of the two has like a living parent or parents but quite often it it, it's actually the the opposite right um sahara and you know the book just before this one does have her father but there's really no mention of her mother and so and caleb obviously you know that his father was a psychopath who's thankfully you know dead and his mother was killed by his father so it it we are constantly shown throughout the series all of these individuals who are marked by the trauma of the fact that they did not have you know bonds 
of, you know, with their family. And even for some characters that did have loving parents, we've got Lucas and and Hawk, who both had parents, who both died, right? Both being attacked by others and all, all of that entails. So it's like you knew love and support and everything that a family meant and then it was ripped away from you or you never got it at all and so what we then get in this book is that ivy jane's parents everyone is sigh right she's sigh mom's side dad's side after she is reconditioned because her empathic power is you know breaking down her conditioning and reconditioning is not as severe rehabilitation is you know everything is sort of broken down and you are just left with basic motor skills reconditioning is just sort of re going over the conditioning that is implemented um so that you can be silent after that happens and she is essentially who she was is sort of erased it's almost like she's acting she's so severe it was such a poorly done recondition that it was just a step away from rehabilitation and she her parents move her move with her to a compound or a commune and it's a farm made up of psi individuals or psi family units who have some sort of broken silence on some level and they run a farm that makes a modest profit so there isn't a lot of attention paid to them and everyone has interlocked their shields together so that no one person is struggling because they can't keep their shields up and you know then someone like the arrows might show up and eliminate them and so i thought it was so fascinating that clearly even as her parents are in silence they what we would call love which they would probably just be like you are our child is so prevalent and what i think is so important about that detail is that obviously what we've read in terms of like silence is all consuming and everyone is silent that i had asked the question i think a few episodes ago that like if you know sasha and all these other characters that dropped out of the signet were their silence is fracturing they can't be the only ones and what happens to these people right that these characters that we obviously haven't know because they're probably not central to the story but what what goes on and so it's like oh here's a glimpse maybe they get reconditioned and then they move somewhere where they can you know sort of work together with other psi who also are struggling and work together to try and keep themselves safe so in this book Vasek shows up with uh, an employment contract basically from Caleb because Caleb under does understand I can't force the empaths to 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 do whatever to do something to save the Sinet because that sort of will defeat the whole purpose and because Sahara now in some ways acts as his conscience and is it's not so much well okay she acts as his conscience but it's also like she's like these are the things he's also very much like I don't ever want to be a man that she... I don't ever want to make decisions that would force her to hate me or to question her love for me. So I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, going too, too far. 
uh, across you know certain lines in the sand and she's like you wouldn't do that and he's like no I I don't do it because I don't want to disappoint you but like if you weren't around I mean I, you know I might just be a monster monster um and so Caleb knows that he can't just like force people into anything and so Ivy at first of course is probably like an arrow just showed up oh dear god it's the end of times oh and she has a pet I think she's also the first character that we meet that has a pet huh anyway and so Aiden knowing how close to the edge Vasic is puts him on you know the duty of keeping the it's 10 empaths that are brought together to see what you know and they are sort of very they're on the gradient they're not all cardinal status and they're not all you know hell hell weak but it's just sort of to be able to see, like, can they do anything with this infection in the net? What can they do? What can't they do? All that jazz. And so Vasek's kind of like, you're putting me on babysitting duty. And Aiden's like, I'm trying to keep you alive. I'll do whatever it takes because you are, you know, like your family. And, you know, don't even question this. And so what both Vasek and Aiden, I don't think, see coming is that having someone else to take care of um does stabilize Vasic and a lot of the other arrows and because of course the empath are such a that designation is willing to do so much for others with no sort of care or thought for themselves and so we start off with all these characters and there's clearly some sort of connection between Ivy and Vasic, and we also sort of get a secondary little like little storyline about love because we also have another uh empath arrow pairing that works out you know becomes more of an emotional relationship as opposed to just two people working together which is Abbott and Jaya and so the backdrop obviously of this story is everything that's happening with the world with the infection and them working so hard to stay ahead and not knowing what to do and i thought it was really interesting because at that in at this point in the story sasha duncan or sorry sasha is she sasha hunter or she's sasha duncan hunter don't know say she is obviously the reigning expert, the the expert in empath because she's been out of the net the longest. She has Alice's book, and she is. She's been able to learn more about her power. And she's a cardinal, so it's not like she's also like some weak ass empath. She's a cardinal empath. Um, but I, what I thought was really interesting is like when you know that you have an ability or a power but you don't know everything about it and all of sort of the setbacks and the frustration of being like well like why can't I figure this out why am I not like getting it what am I doing wrong how like and and this is all against this you know ticking clock of like if we don't figure something out like the net is going to destabilize and you know hundreds of millions of people are going to die straight up um and so there is and Ooh, if you like the sort of bodyguard and other, you know, the bodyguard trope, someone who's guarding someone else 
and then they're falling for each other because of a close proximity because no one's guarding someone from a distance kind of thing and all of that 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 entails you get some of that in this book right because the arrows are acting as sort of the shields of defense for empaths and you know in that sort of bodyguard role um but it's not like the empaths are completely like just like i'm incapable of anything of everything they are and we start to see in this book and we'll see it come up in future books that just like there are different kinds of you know telekinetics right judd is a telekinetic that can work on the micro cellular level Caleb is a telekinetic that can work on like a massive sort of macro level um you have the same thing with empaths they aren't all the same they aren't all like gonna be like Sasha they aren't all gonna there's gonna be differing levels uh to their abilities their powers what some of them can do versus what others can do and so this book is like silent the signet is you know at a very you know is at the brink and the in this book we see like everything that gets done to sort of try and claw back from that brink to try and save it um and Vasic and Ivy are so important to that now the other thing that I think is really interesting about this book um this book shows us how hope plays out and how hope can work in really interesting ways in the sense that like so for the arrows right who are side characters with crazy with the kind of powers that are usually offensive and they are you know if they lose control they could kill hundreds of people you know it's they you know as opposed to someone who's like oh I can see into the human body like you're able to that's not the same as having like a very destructive sort of power so we've got arrows we've got Caleb and we've got Judd and I I layer it like that because Judd is sort of the first example of someone who comes from that world where they were you know probably tortured as a child have all bonds with family separated and yet he is able to go on and have a life, have a mate, have a future, laugh, feel emotion. Now, Judd is different from Caleb and the Arrows that he always had a bond, a, a connection to his family. He always had a bond with Walker, his brother, with Christine, his sister, and with their kids. That always existed, which a lot, if not all of the Arrows, do not have, right? And we've got Caleb, whose, you know, power is off the charts cannot be counted it's wild he's a dual cardinal that does not or is not supposed to exist also tortured but differently in the sense that like he wasn't in the arrow program he was just you know um the pet of a psychopath he is unable to bond um and feel emotion with sahara and so i think in the his caleb's book the arrows, Aiden and Vasek do have allude to the fact that, like, okay, we, we do now have examples of what the younger arrows, the arrows beneath us that are just, you know, growing in our program, of the f- kind of future they could have, because they could, you know, if as we're moving into this new post-silence world, could then create 
relationships and connections the way that these two people who have similar backgrounds to us, but there are differences, um, have been able to do. And then we get to Vasic. And Vasic, we, we learn in this book, is, you know, considered sort of one of the core members of the squad. People of all ages come speak to him because they know that this is someone that they can count on kind of thing. So Vasic bonding with Ivy and being able to live a life with Ivy then shows the squad of arrows that like even if you thought that maybe Judd and Caleb were outliers or were um what's the word a fluke we now have someone who is one of us right not someone who defected and you know quote-unquote left not someone who had a similar upbringing but with key differences but someone who literally we work with and is one of us is able to have this kind of a future is able to build a home um and I thought that is something that is so important that is sometimes easily forgotten that that hope of being able to go from where you are to this other place how important that is how much we all need that and that when we don't have that hope we do think that oh okay I mean there's there's really no point because I'm never going to get to x or to y or to z like nothing and when you are introduced to that hope how no matter how small that little flame, you know, I'm using that metaphor, you know, a flickering flame of hope, no matter how small, how tiny that little seed, that little flame is, when it is there, it can be nurtured and it can grow. And you can start to see sort of a shift in how the the person, the people, the group, the society can move and change as that is seen. Um, because what is then shown is... Um, as in as there are outbreaks um throughout there's a lot happening in New York so the empaths you know go to different parts of the world and Ivy and <clears throat> Vasic Abbott and Jaya all go to New York and when they're all working together obviously there's reporters and you know images are being taken and it's like the arrows also were considered the boogeyman of the side, right? If you fuck up, if you let your silence fracture, they will come for you and that'll be the end. And so Aiden does know that that perception needs to change that right now as things are crazy, people are just going to be like, oh, cool, the arrows are helping. But some, they are going to need to sort of create a new image going forward or else there will be problems and so this book we see how the relationship of two people is both important for the two characters involved obviously because they're the two people falling in love but is also important for those around them both their sort of what you would call their immediate family but then also sort of society in general because these two characters can then be an example both to those that they know and those who look at them and are like oh wow the Sai are able to form emotional bonds the Sai are able to live post-silence and have joy and have 
hope and peace and all of these things that for over you know for a hundred years everyone believed just wasn't possible and it has been really interesting because I mean I started rereading the series right at in the end of December not really understanding that when things started going when coronavirus started being talked about that we would then be where we are today in April and so as I've been reading it's like oh yeah some of these things feel so like oh I wonder if that's what's happening in real life right as governments and you know ruling bodies work to figure things out but like what are they doing and all the conspiracies around it and you know the lack of information and the lack of transparency and then the realization maybe the reason there is no transparency is because there is no information because there actually is no knowledge and all that and so as I've been reading the the series some ways it has really sort of tied into you know real life and I'm like oh my god yeah um but and then tying it into you know everyday life something that I also thought was really interesting um so going back to how Sasha is right this person with like the most knowledge about empaths and Alice Eldridge is alive but Alice doesn't have her memories and so there are little things that she remembers but obviously not everything um it made me think so the the Cyrus the count the councils completely wipe away all information about empaths just wholesale you know both literal slaughter of those people but just completely wiping away that information burning books destroying databases and it made me think of I have a few friends who are currently pregnant and it made me think of a period in our past where midwives and all the knowledge that they have was just completely wiped off the map a lot of midwives were you know accused of witchcraft burned at the stake or drowned etc etc and all of the knowledge that these individuals had just gone right because in some cases this information had never been transcribed it had always been passed down orally and so if you've only passed it orally and then those individuals die then that in that it, it's gone and it can never be um replaced again there is the hope that one day someone else will stumble upon that same information but you know who knows and i thought it was really i mean it speaks to the fact that every time a group comes into power to maintain their stranglehold on said power um competing and contradicting histories information story knowledge has to be has to be wiped clean because if not then you've got people being like well why am i following you or believing what you say when there is all of this contradictory information and we see it happen in history over and over and over and over and over again and here we are in 2020 we have access to so many tools to learn about history but it's also like if you don't know that there is history that you don't know right 
then why would you even search for it? Which is, you know, you're my, like, oh my god, it's that way. But it just, as I was reading that, I was like, yeah, imagine, imagine that. And ima- like, I mean, we don't have cryonic suspension, but imagine someone who had been frozen a hundred years ago. So in 1920 and having them wake up now and then be like, what in the fuck? What in the world? All of the things that we've supposedly accomplished, but I think also all of the things that we've probably hidden and and put away and put out of sight to not focus on. Or vice versa, someone who was um, put in cryonic suspension 200 years ago, so 1820. Like, it's just like, yes, what are the things that in the name of progress we've maybe not maybe, that we've lost and can't really ever recapture and what does that then mean as we go forward and you're like, eh, is there so many, so many questions what the fuck, I mean, I know it's crazy, but this is where my mind sort of went like, the destruction of the knowledge and what it means and how that destruction of knowledge means that at a key point in the future when that knowledge might be absolutely necessary it won't be there and then how what do we do to get to a place that we can figure out what we're missing and how to find that information again um very abstract i know it just it's very like oh what 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 um okay i had a as i was talking i had a thought because I'm always thinking. So Alice Eldridge, right? She is a human. She has been in chronic suspension for a hundred years. And I have no idea if Nalini Singh plans to do a book for her. But I want a book for her. A, because I think that that would be fascinating to read. Because then we might, as Alice regains her memories, if she regains them, um she'll be able to give sort of a compare and contrast sort of to what the world was when she was put into cryonic suspension and what the world is that she's in now um and I wonder like if she were to get her own book who would her partner be would it be another human which we have not yet had two humans and I wonder if it's because so much of this series has to do with the Cynet crumbling and falling apart and so how do two humans then really like what does that that mean for the story but also I am curious as to what that would look like so would she get a human would she get a Psy would she get a changeling would she get a forgotten member right like what would that what would that be? I mean, as a reader and a huge, massive fan, I want, like, Nalini to write as many, many, many books as she can in the series. We're, you know, 19 books in, and if she can write another 19 or so, I would be over the fucking moon. She might hear this and be like, girl, am I trying to write 19 more books? I'm trying to write five more. And I will take it. I mean, I'll be sad when it ends. But I will also be like, I have the complete set and I will read it from beginning to end over and over and over again until I go off into the twilight of my twilight years. Um, 
but yes I'd love to see um Alice Eldridge's character that I'd like to see if she gets a book if she doesn't get a book if she can be sort of a secondary storyline within two or three books I would also be cool with that so I mean like if you don't want to give her a whole book but like have her sort of be in the background of a few books I I say yes I fans up um all of the check marks and the gold stars um but I do think like this in this book Shield of Winter we see so much about the Psy that we may have not seen yet because up until this point we've seen Psy who have defected um and so now we're seeing Psy who haven't defected and don't plan to who are uh in the Psynet in the Psynet to stay and what that means for them it also gives us you know the beginning of I mean if the arrows have always intrigued you you've got one the next book um shards of hope is Aiden's book and another I Aiden I think is a fascinating character because we've now seen little bits and pieces of him and we know that this is not that he may be a member of the silent race but he is nothing like a lot of the powerful um that we've met he's not like Nikita he's not like Caleb he's not like Ming Shoshana Henry who's dead thank god um so see I we just get another entry into this world from a very different perspective that just gives so much more um and I mean like I said I am loving reading the series again and I I think that will always be the case um and for if you've read the book and you're like huh I didn't see some of these things that's okay I don't think the first time I read Shield of Winter I would have picked up on all of these things and I might have you know um not I don't whenever the next book is coming out I don't always do a full reread I don't think I had done a full reread in a while and so it is some it is easy there is so much detail that it is easy to sometimes like not see the certain things um but yeah this I really was like ooh Ivy and um Vasic and ooh Vasic's grandfather we had already met him he is listed as the father of a shy's kid um Zizen um as his oh and so sorry guys but Zizen also called Z squared um is I think around 120 so he was I think 18 when silence becomes implemented and the history of I like that by having him as a character we get to hear um because we're shown sort of letters between him and his empath lover who does um not make it um we get to see what silence was like right at that beginning um in a way that obviously we wouldn't if he wasn't around and it is so I think it is really well done in the sense that like because this character was introduced in an earlier book you might have thought oh in a shy's book like his role was to be you know sort of like 
we know he's a rebel and he helped out Ashaya, but then by having him be connected to Vasic and all that that entails, it's like, whoa, like, I'm pretty sure when I read Shield of Winter, I was like, oh my god, like, but what, like, ah, oh, she did that, and, and so I do like that she, you know, brings some of these things full circle, um, which has me, which I think is the mark of you know really sort of great author especially when you're talking about a series that's 19 books long not including novellas guys not including novellas which if you haven't read her novellas the anthologies she has and you should i mean if you're like oh i i kind of want to dive into delini but like oh my god it's so much then just read the second arc and read the, the previous novellas and you'll you'll get a wonderful taste i feel like you'll get such a great taste of her that you'll be you'll want to read more you may be like oh actually i didn't really like it that's okay i'm i'm not mad i'm confused but i'm not mad and i understand that we can't all love the same things that's okay but i think you'll love her i'm just saying just saying just, just putting it out there um so yeah this shield of winter really great um alpha night <laughs> june 9th my friends june motherfucking 9th and i definitely do think either at the end of june or early july i want to do an episode where i'm just really just gonna talk about all the crazy theories i've had um of what the next book might be where things are going um what i want to see what other questions i have because yo this book left me with questions questions um but that's not happening until like you know july um and i'm trying to think what else i think that's it for right now yes so i'm going to pause here and then i'm going to come back and i'm going to talk about one more thing and then you know we'll be done for the week until the next week ja okay pause hello you again okay so i was like i'm gonna come back to talk to y'all about something else so um for those of you who may not have realized i am a big jackie lao fan um she is a wonderful wonderful author um her website uh calls her books romantic comedy um and so anyway the reason why i'm telling you all this is she has a book coming out may 26th called pregnant by the playboy now if you've read mr hotshot ceo um that book right had two brothers the fong brothers and this book pregnant by the playboy is going to be uh Vince, it wasn't vincent yeah vincent's book so that's coming up uh may 26 uh which i'm like really really excited about wait did they have another brother was it a total of three of them i feel like that might have been the case i don't remember now i have to go back anyway uh may 26 pregnant by the playboy comes out and if you're like oh well hmm i'm curious about uh oh no I'm curious about, you know, the Fong brothers and whatnot. And you want to read Mr. Hotshot CEO. Mr. Hotshot CEO is currently free. 
until the end of May. So if you go to Amazon right now, you can get Mr. Hotshot, uh, CEO for free 99. I don't know if it's, I think it's free on all platforms. So if you're like, but Esther, I don't like uh, to use uh, the Amazon platform because Amazon is poo-poo. Um, that's okay. I totally get it. You know, I don't blame you. I'm mad at you. I'm not like, <laughs> why were you thinking? Um, but yeah, you if you go to her website and you click on it, uh, let me see. I'm clicking on Kobo. It's free on Kobo, guys. It's free on the Kobo. Well, let me see. BNN, Barnes and Nobles. Eh, yep, it's free on the Barnes and the Nobles. Zinook. Zinook. Um, iTunes, which is you know, Apple Books um that jazz mm, okay that's weird oh maybe it's because i'm on my computer it like doesn't show me a price or anything because they're probably like you need to so yeah anyway mr hasha ceo is currently free and may 26 comes out uh printed by the playboy <laughs> oh and let me i'm pretty sure the blurb is up and i'm just gonna share it with y'all because like why not okay so i'm reading the blurb for pregnant by the playboy I've got a pretty great life, if I do say so myself. I made a fortune when I sold my tech startup. I spent the year since partying, drinking, and inviting a parade of women into my bed. I should be happy, but I feel an annoying lack of fulfillment. And there's no way I'm going back to the work I did before. At a friend's party, I meet Marissa. We have hot sex against the door and agree to spend the weekend together. Just one weekend. I never expect to see her again except uh, now she's pregnant with my baby and i think this is the solution to all my problems this is what will bring meaning to my life i'm going to be a devoted father and husband marissa whose last name i still don't know wants me to be involved though she rejects my marriage proposal but before the baby arrives i'm going to prove to her that i can be something other than a playboy and the rare times I set my mind to something, I don't fail. So that's right, guys. We're going to get um, a guy who's like, you know what? My purpose in life is going to be to be a father and husband. And homegirl's like, excuse me? You can be a father, but we is not getting married. This is not, you know, 1872 or Manhattan. What? Uh, by back back up back up i wonder if she pulls out like you don't even know my last name and you want to get married what's wrong with you because i would but anyway that's a whole other you know whatever but yes this comes out may 26 and i mean she's a wonderful author so if you haven't read any jackie lao i want you to go to her website it'll be in the show notes and check out her books because she's got some really wonderful options right there's the Quan sisters farm brothers and there's holiday with the wongs baldwin village and chin williams books uh all of them are great okay all of them like every single one of them um so there's that and then the other thing i wanted to uh, talk about is um so shelf love the podcast uh posted 
uh sorry my brain was like remember what it said and then i forgot so i'm going back to instagram 58 romance novellas for a quick hit of hope that's right 58 romance novellas which if you're like what does that mean it means that they're shorter than regular books so if you're like i really like want to read but i don't have a lot of time because work is crazy or i'm really tired and you just want something short and fun and that is gonna you know buoy your spirits and give you a little bit of hope there is an entire list that's on goodreads and also on their website um that you can check out of novellas that you can read that are just gonna give you a a hit of hope a hit of hope like it is a drug but not really okay because it's not you you know what i mean um and so i'm like quickly sort of scanning through um and so one of the novellas i already mentioned it last week guarding temptation by talia hibbert which listen guys i'm there is a sex on a couch i was rolling a sex on a couch so you want to read that um we've got hamilton's battalion which is a trio of romances uh which i've heard is really really good think i have it we've got from scratch welcome to seaport by katrina jackson y'all know how much i love this woman and that book oh and it's got a i don't know if it's thruple or thruple because it's like a couple anyway it's got three care three three people in a relationship and it is so so fucking good like mm, delicious um then there is ooh, there's a lot of really good stuff on here We've got uh, The Hookup Before Christmas by Phyllis Bourne, A Good Luck Fuck by Nicole Falls, uh, and I see like uh, Four Leaf Clovers on the cover, so it looks like it might, you know, might be tied into uh, uh, St. Patty's Day, perhaps, but like mm, that title, yes, yes. Ooh, Adriana Herrera's Mangoes and Mistletoe, which like baking lesbians Scotland, I what else do you really need just re- what um wrapped which is uh it, part of the fit trilogy by rebecca witherspoon lucy eden's bear with me which has bear shifters okay um if you're like esther what people who can shift into bears that's not hard and i really like bear shifters they're fun um then there's also i think i might love you by christina c jones <gasps> angel's bond which is a gilded hunter novella by nalini singh y'all know how i feel about anything she writes um then there's the muscle of hellhounds which is an anthology of novellas by different authors uh kate daniels nalini singh uh is mel jane brooks in that one i think so but i don't remember oh lord dashwood missed out which is a spindle cove novella by tessa dare so fucking good um i own that one in paperback like i like i think i own it in paperback and also ebook and like didn't realize i owned both until much much later because you know shit happens and you're like oh i own it more than once um then we've got mary Inkmus by tali hibbert which i talked about last week oh i mean tattooed ginger hero the again what more do do you need um take a chance on me take a chance on me by Seleka snyder uh ooh, your french kisses by lauren blakely this cover looks really 
good. I like it. Okay. There's just, and these are all novellas, which means that they're not going to be like crazy long. Oh my God. If you've never read The Governess Affair, which is Brother Sinister book, you know, the prequel by Courtney Milan. I mean, once you read it, you're going to be obsessed. I want the entire series and the rest of the series isn't, isn't free, but The Governess Affair is, and it is, it, it is absolutely such an incredible historical, like, so so fucking good like just just read it you need it just read it it you must you must read it let's see what else do we have making it last by ruthie knox beauty and the blacksmith by tessa dare so yeah there's a lot you know i said 58 so it's a it's a lot of options and they're just they're so good um so you want to like go listen well, uh, mm, oh, I wonder if any of these are in audiobook format. I don't know. If they are, well, then you want to listen to them. Um, let me see. What else? I think that was it. Um, Shelf Love is also doing their romance book club, and they had food and romance, and they spoke with Mia Sosa, Ruby Lang, Jessica Lynn, and Vin- Jessica Lynn Van Sluten. I'm so sorry. I was like um and I love food and I like when food shows up in romance novels because um I think part of the way that I show like I like seeing characters showing affection through food right feeding someone getting people the things that they really like and want because that's what I would want for me like I want you to go like if you want to like make me happy go get me food that I love like I'm just gonna wake up you know crying um tears of joy so I was like ooh um so yeah so I'll post that in the show notes um so yeah I think that was it that I wanted to talk about um next week I'm pretty sure I'm gonna do shards of hope um yes I think it's going to be shards of hope uh, I think that's it. And I think the week after that, I might do a, um, oh, sorry. Like, all the words left me, and my mind was like, blank, silent, silencio. Yeah, I think it's Shards of Hope, and then I think I might, you know, give you guys a break. I might not. I don't know. We'll see. Well, for sure, Shards of Hope next week, which in case you're like, who is that? That is Aiden. And um, a character that we have met, his, 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 his other half is, I don't know if it's Zaira or Zaira. I think I'm going to call her Zaira. Zaira and Aiden um, are in Shards of Hope. Boom. And that's arrows, 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 baby. Um, so if you like the arrows, you're gonna like this. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you're gonna like it. It's going to bring you joy. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. If you guys have any questions, any comments, um, oh, also again, if you guys want me to send you a note card, um, through the good old, you know, USPS. Um, you can DM me your address, um, either on Twitter or Instagram. I've sent out letters to my family, like my brother and then my parents in Canada, my friends in Canada, 
and some of my friends here I mean shit is kind of crazy so they they're not arriving in like two days it's taking time but it's also been really fun to sit down and just like write a fun little note to someone and put it in an envelope and then drop it off at the mailbox um although the one really close to me is broken so I have to go to one farther away but that's just like extra walking considering that I don't go out every day so when I do go out it's kind of nice to be like oh yes the trees the breeze the birds the bees and I'm in New York so some rats um so yeah if you are interested in that definitely hit me up because I think it's fun and it's nice to um I guess get something physical especially right now when so much of what we're doing is virtual and online and in the cloud um it's kind of nice to get something that you can sort of open up I mean you know wipe it down don't you know don't don't get corona but you know <laughs> to get something in the mail is kind of like oh nice anyway uh I hope you guys have a wonderful week uh that you stay safe stay hydrated be kind to yourselves be kind to others um what else what else can you do in this wonderful week as we oh shit we're going into may oh my god that fucking um como se llama that meme or whatever from nsync it's gonna be may um is coming up because it i think may 1st is the friday i think so which is crazy right like already may what um so yeah uh enjoy try to find some joy um oh and if you're feeling really 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 stressed out and everything is pissing you off and everything is making you angry and you're having really sort of dark moments and you're like what the fuck do i do because i've had i last week was 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 a bit of a clusterfuck my mom told me to do this and i'm gonna be trying it out and i thought why not you guys might want to try it out too write everything down and either um and write everything that's pissing you off and making you angry and making you feel small and hopeless and just filled with like incandescent rage down on a piece of paper or multiple pieces of paper and then rip it up just rip it up rip it to tiny little fucking pieces that would be perfect for a hamster's cage if you had one um and then throw it away throw it away and get it out of yourself because i will say that is something that i've been struggling with i've been internalizing a lot of the work bullshit and just you know all the other bullshit and i'm i i haven't been sleeping and you know i haven't been eating some people are like i'm gaining weight i'm like oh no i'm losing weight oops um so i'm gonna be trying that out this week i thought you know you know if you're kind of struggling and I don't want to write it in a journal to then like look on it later. I just want to get it out and get it gone. Like have it just dis a fucking peer. And tearing it into little pieces. Pretending that those little pieces are all the things you don't like. Being dismantled, destroyed, uh, annihilated. Might make you feel better. I mean, just saying it out loud makes me feel better. So I'm just saying. Um, the other thought that I had, but I don't know how well that would work, is 
if you have a smartphone and there's like a sort of a voice recording app just opening it up and saying all the shit that you want to say to an actual person in your life or strangers or whatever the fuck like just getting it all out being like what the fuck ah, you know all out and then deleting it because it's gone and it's out of you and it's gone and you don't have to like you know post it anywhere or anything because then it's like oh no we're just feeding negativity in the atmosphere but just a thought um but anyway um take care guys i feel like this is kind of a long episode but like why not why not i had thoughts and i i I shared and i had a lot of fun talking to you guys and recording for you guys is kind of the highlight of me pero por dios Suddenly, she, she was unable to speak, and the words would not come out, and she was stuck, trapped behind a tongue that would not work the way that she wanted it to work. Anyway, with that, with that, I will leave you all until next lunes, next Monday, and next lundi. Adios! <laughs>